Griffin with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people in front of my microphone today. I'm pleased to have Andrea Berryman Childress. Hello. Hello. You almost have as long of a name as Carolina Vyshinska Lavanino. <laughs> I feel like mine's easier to say. Yours though, is maybe. a lot easier, yeah. but when she was on, I really had to practice a few times before yeah. I said that. And then she got really proud of me because I was nailing it. Because you were on it. Um, you are uh, with Spotlight Marketing. That's your mm-hmm. own biz. Yep. Your own business. You're also the founder of Bipolar Lemonade. Yes, which actually the the uh, rebranded name of it is The Lemonade Project. The Lemonade Project, yep. that's right. You're also an author of this sweet little book right mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. On the Edge, Help and Hope for Parenting Children with Mental Illness. We're going to talk a lot about this because this and The Lemonade Project are very closely hand in hand. Yes. Um, but I do, we're going to talk a lot about this actually, but... I like to start off all my fun and interesting conversations with my interesting people. Where are you from originally, Andrea? Actually, well, I was raised here. What? But I was born in Germany because my dad was in the military. Okay, something I did not know yeah. about you. So we moved here when I was almost four. Okay. Yeah. And you never left. I mean, you did. Well, I did for 12 years. And, and then, then I came, came back. back. Yeah. They always come back, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Whoever said, well, what's that phrase? You can never go home again. What's I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it, the phrases that everybody always ends up. Yeah. It's like circular. You know, it really is. Yeah, it really but, is. Yeah. Um, so dad is in the was in the military. What branch? Well, he was in the army, but he w- uh, was a doctor. So I, whatever oh. that means, you know yeah. what I mean? He, he was, was he an was army a, doctor. Yes, he was an army doctor. He was a medic. Yeah. Medic. Yeah. Or, right. Okay. Like mash. I don't know. Yeah. You should know this. <laughs> I don't. I know. Don't ask me questions about Too my bad. family. I'm gonna. My dad. I'm gonna. So I'm, where? So he stress. was in the army for. Do you know Frankfurt. how long? Frankfurt. Um, yep, Frankfurt. I just a few years. Okay. Yeah. So and then we actually moved to Portland, mm-hmm. and then we moved down to Medford. So, do you know medic like? Like on a battlefield type thing, or just like if in the infirm like infirmary. No, I, yeah, type I think thing? it was more like sort of in the hospital. Okay, you know, community. It, but I mean, if you know they got hurt, there mm-hmm. wasn't anything significant yeah. happening at the time. There, right, so. that would make sense. And so you guys decided to move to Portland. Why? Why Portland? I think Dad had was finishing up his schooling, mm-hmm. um, like residency at OHSU, okay. and then got his first job down down here, Doctor Hibbs. Wow, mm-hmm. and that's you guys set up we camp. We have set up camp and have been here ever since. Wow, and you grew up with siblings. I have two older sisters. Okay, one's in Napa Valley and one's in Newburgh. Wow, yeah. All right. Um, and so, what did Dad do then, growing up? Is he a doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, do you have his own practice? Um, he did for a while, and then um, he uh, specializes in internal medicine, or did. He's retired now. Um, and so when kind of the whole HMO thing and healthcare mm-hmm. started to shift and change, Providence mm-hmm. ended up purchasing his practice, and the doctors were in it, and so he ended up working for Providence as okay. a doc. Yeah. So does, do a lot of people in this area know him, knew him? Y- yeah, but I think they probably know Mom more. Well, sure. Let's talk about mom. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like there, you know, if he's a, if they had him as as a doctor, they were patients, and for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mom, just because she's 
Okay, you know, so dad was Dr. Hibbs. No, no, no. Dad was Dr. Berryman. Berryman. Who's Hibbs? Hibbs, Dr. Hibbs was <laughs> so confused. Was the practice that he went to. Like it was his first It makes first, a lot of sense. I was about practice. to ask you, what kind of scandal is happening in your family where mom has a different name than dad? <laughs> and then I have this like long, weird name. I need details. Okay, okay. so dad ended up buying Dr. Hibbs' practice. Dr. Berryman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Hibbs like hired a mom, right, as a right. doctor in his practice, and then he. I should have told you I was going to yeah. ask you all these questions. I know. Like I know you're stressing me out. I would have researched I'm a little sorry, bit more. Okay. Just let's just we're going to take, <laughs> like, take a deep breath. Keep going. Take a deep breath. My dad's going to be like, that, that wasn't true. You okay. had that info wrong. I've it's said. Okay. I've said. I've told a few family stories on the podcast. Actually, I'm going to admit it right now. My mom's like, I don't think you have that quite right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, Mama, that's okay. That was episode 26. It's yeah, long gone. That's it's right. Fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter. She's like, I still listen to it, though. Yeah. Yeah. So Mom mm-hmm. um, is Lindsay Berryman. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Medford, you know that she was a mayor at one point. She was. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember her. She was the mayor when I moved here. I know. I interviewed her. When for you stories. were a young journalist. Hey, a young easy. buck. I'm still a young, you Missy. You are, but. <laughs> no. Um, so what did she do growing up? Well, she, as far as when I was growing up and mm-hmm. when she was. No, when so you when I was growing up, she actually graduated from college as a nurse. Okay. Um, which is interesting. And then when she came here, she became like a um, counselor, sort of like for addiction, that type of thing. She worked mm. in in that field. And then she was like, um, ran the Girl Scouts for a while. <laughs> I know it's kind of wow. random. And then she went back to school because she's like, you know what, this like nursing counseling mm-hmm. thing really isn't my gig. I really want to do business. And so she went back to, um, what was it called at the time? Sock, right? Southern oh, Oregon yes. College, College. Mm-hmm. Um, and got her business degree. And then she started the Cookie Connection in 1984. So she started that business with Caprice Moran. What? Mm-hmm. The Cookie Connection? Mm-hmm. The Her same cookie connection that's, mm-hmm. like, in the mall? Yep. So so the first one, that was my first job. I was 14. <laughs> the first one was, I have lots of stories about that, but they okay. not, may not be appropriate for air. But anyhow. The first one was right where Tinseltown is right now. Okay. And then the second one was downtown where my daughter's closet is in Medford. Yep. And then the third one was the mall. Mm-hmm. And they did have one over by Harry and David. Mm-hmm. Um she ended up selling and so it's like she kind of ended up selling and closing them as they did you know wow needed to be and then, why cookies you know i think why mrs not? fields was sort of on the oh, rise man, and they yeah. just like and it like was super successful well now crumble's coming back right yeah. that cookie place yeah, mrs and, fields cookie that was, that was huge yeah yeah so it was right like during that time when it was yeah. just this huge phenomenon america so. just needed cookies then i know apparently yeah um one thing about the Cookie Connection now, I don't know if you've ever been there recently. I haven't been in years, but my girls go every now and then. Yeah. The best gelato I have ever had. Really? Ever. Now, I've never been to Italy, and I've never had gelato there, but they import this gelato from oh. San Francisco, and it's like the real deal Italian Oh, I'm going to have to gel- go, because I've had Italian gelato. Well, Mom took me once. Okay. Yeah. So go try it and tell me what you think. And I'm almost kicking myself now telling everybody, because then you're going to eat all the gelato, and there's not going to be any for me when no, I go. I know. But they have a flavor called creme brulee gelato. Mm. And I'm telling you, I'm not even a big sweets person. It's the best gelato I have ever had. Oh. Ever. 
and I've eaten a, quite a my fair share of ice cream and gelato, yeah. so I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That's good to know. Cookie Connection. There you go. Cookie Connection. The little business that, that your mama started. Yep. Now the has the best gelato in, I know. in the Rogue Valley. They didn't have gelato then. They had ice cream. Okay. Yeah. We did these like little ice cream sandwiches, but they weren't little because the cookies were like huge, five inches in diameter. They're ginormous. <laughs> they are ginormous. So you worked there as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay. First job. It was my first job, mm-hmm. yeah, and I worked there pretty much till I graduated. But I did like I ended up working for my dad's office for a little bit too. Okay. And I think when I was a senior, and I think I quit that job, the Cookie Connection, for like mm-hmm. two months when I had a boyfriend, and I was mad at my mom, so I went and worked at McDonald's with him. <laughs> I have this whole story. So story. Maybe rebellious. I'm too comfortable right now. Right? You get you get into a comfortable spot in these podcasts. So who knows what's going to okay, come out now? Later. I gotta like um, gotta pull it back. Rain, rain it in. Rain it in. Uh, yeah. Good old fashioned child labor is what that mm-hmm. is. You know. Oh, totally. Well, but you had to be 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. That was you know like minimum age. But yeah, <laughs> like so it was crazy. Why did she decide to run for mayor? Um, she's very passionate about community. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's kind of her jam, you know, um, and, and I think she just saw that, um, Medford needed to, um, I don't know, kind of get some coolness and maybe that didn't happen all the way and is she's mm-hmm. still working <laughs> still working on that but um she just wanted to tighten up the downtown and the economy and the community and so mm-hmm. um she felt like it was really important and I think she was on the I want to say the water commission before she was actually on the city council okay years and years and years ago um like late 80s or something like that okay. and then um she was on the water commission and I just you know you see all the kind of deficits in the system you and do. it probably drove her crazy and well, she I wanted to be involved, especially depending on your personality. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. do, if you do see problems, you kind of you will go down a rabbit hole trying to fix them. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand that. Do you guys ever have conversations now about, you know, looking at Medford now versus? when she was mayor, for instance, or when she well, was city council? Um, my work with Travel Medford has has brought me kind of full circle with what what's going on with mm-hmm. Medford and downtown revitalization and um, all the good things. And what's interesting is a lot of what actually is kind of cropping up right now was in her vision 20 years ago. Crazy. So I had um, was speaking with uh, Sunny Spicer uh, with Kid Time. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about her new, you know, um, museum that they're doing, the Southern Oregon Children's Museum. And she was saying to me, you know what, your mom, like in her 2020 vision, she said to me that we were going to have kid time in the Carnegie Carnegie building. She goes, and I remember thinking to myself, there's no way. She goes, and then here we are, wow. almost 20 years later. And so that's how visionary my mom is. I mean, she really is. Like, it just mm. was amazing. So. Does she have any other predictions for us? Yeah, <laughs> does she? In, in all know. honesty, does she see down the downtown area? Because I I feel like we're getting there. Yeah, but we're not quite there yet. No, she totally sees it coming together. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I think, and I do too. And I do too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just and you know, kind of the circles that I have to work with, in with business. Um, I yeah. No, I think it's coming together. The, okay. Good. The energy and chemistry is there. It just we just need to keep plugging away. Um, what yeah. high school did you go to? North Medford. North Medford High School. North Medford High School. Who was your crew in high school? 
Um, my crew was. Who'd you run with? Cheerleaders. Right? Okay. I knew it. That's so, okay. I was a cheerleader. I know. Nothing, oh, okay. Yeah, see? Nothing wrong okay. with cheerleaders. Okay. They're fantastic. So um, there's a few uh, gals in the Valley who still live here that I hung out with. Um, Kimberly Hewitt-Hicks. My good buddy, Kimberly uh-huh. Hicks. So it's so like Kim and I were. She's like, actually told me a few stories about the two of you. She has it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she was she was my crew. I mean, she, you know, and you Jody Allen. And, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we were really tight. That's mm-hmm. so funny to mm-hmm. me. That's funny. That's so funny. Well, and so you were on the cheerleading squad, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of student were you? I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, I graduated with a 3.6. I wasn't That's like. That's good. Like, That's real good. You know, super duper smart, but mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. Held what, my own. What did you want to do after high school? Go to college and become a broadcaster, like the okay. next Today Show anchor. We were just talking about this. Yeah. What college did you go to? Indiana University. And Whoa. I chose Indiana because it was in the top three in the nation for journalism schools. It's still in the top 20. But not the top three. Well, so you wanted to be a broadcast journalism Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. person. And then I had an internship and was, like, terrified. I was like, this is not now. I can't watch myself on camera. I do Mm. not want to hear myself. Yeah. I will say this. Watching watching myself on TV is not a big deal. When I hear myself, like, in a recording, I want to vomit. Right. (laughs) Still? I just sound so whiny. And you don't, though. Well, I you feel, think you like you yeah. feel like you do, but and yeah. even I'll listen to something where it was we weren't even on air, and I'm asking a question to someone, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Hey, who, who did, who did that?" And I'm just like, "Ew, stop! stop. It's just too much." Uh, where was your internship? KDRV. <laughs> with no um, comment oh my gosh what no was the comment. guy's name yeah yeah mike um yeah anyways yeah so funny so he was he was at a school at moorhead at moorhead college playing baseball at which was like literally an hour from mm-hmm. me and he grew up here doherty mike doherty i think that's what his okay. name was okay anyways yeah so um well that they are KDRV. my competition so no i know so that was my first so, internship was kdrv no and, wonder you yeah. got scared and went running I mean, well but then i went kidding. to new york the next summer and had an internship with american health magazine okay and i was like i don't want to do this either like i was totally drawn towards the advertising side that's where really? i wanted to be you know but i was whatever i wrote some stories and mm-hmm. got them published and it was okay it's just again it wasn't quite the right fit so, so how did you know? Because you're you're majoring in journalism, mm-hmm. okay? Which the school I went to, advertising and marketing, fell into the journalism Mm-mm. realm. Yeah. So did yeah. you have to switch majors? No, I graduated journalism, okay. and basically in my you know spring terms, my mom was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do for a job. Like I don't want to do this. And at the time, I was teaching aerobics and had been for two years. And my, I, it's so rando. It's very rando. And my boss was like, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was like, and I helped them with all their marketing and newsletters right. and all that type of stuff. And she said, um, we have an assistantship open for our mm-hmm. master's program in sports and recreation marketing. Okay. Do you want to do it? And I said, yes. So I, it was a two-year master's program, um, and I got paid. And Perfect. my school got paid for. I taught aerobics. and Fantastic. Yeah. And it was like my jam. Here I am. Because all in journalism, I was like, you know, 
struggling to get B's, A minuses. <laughs> and then I got into, you know, sports marketing administration and it was just like straight A's. Here like, I am. Yep. I have arrived. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what did you want to do with that then? Did you want to start a marketing business or? I, I mean, I thought eventually probably, yeah. yeah. But, you know, my first job was in um, a recreational sports facility down in Texas for the University of Texas Arlington. Okay. So, which is just, I don't know if you know, south of like Fort Worth is yes. where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. But I knew like I didn't want to get pigeonholed into mm-hmm. one industry. So, um after Jeff and I met my husband, and he moved down to Texas with me for a little bit, terrified, terrified of Texas because of the tornadoes and big golf size oh, yeah. hail, <laughs> or, not, or softball size, yeah, softball size hail. Anyways, we moved back up to Portland because he went to dental school at OHSU, um, and I just I got into healthcare because my dad was working with Providence. Mm-hmm. He got me a fer- referral, and so then it was just like I. And then the next job after that was different than healthcare and sports. I was like in construction, so it's like I just was able to build off of it for sure. And then when I moved here, um, I started my own little company. Awesome for a while. Where yeah. did you meet Jeff? We met at my sister's wedding. He was a fraternity brother of my sister's now ex-husband okay it's okay but I actually I I don't that's where we got reconnected reunited because you knew him before good Uh uh-huh I've known known him um since we were five oh my gosh me and Samantha Six chased him under the what do you call it playground thingy the -hmm. fort yeah and kissed him with his little glasses on poor Jeff (laughs) tormented from five by two obnoxious little girls pretty much so did you go to high school together did you guys kind of grow up together well we he's a he graduated a year younger than me so we went to Hedrick together for a year and then we Mm. went to mid-high together for Mm. a year and then it split to south north and I went to north and he went to south okay so we you know we've known him for a long time yes yeah we knew each other but we never you know we're really communicating besides me kissing him under the well I was gonna say does he tell that story a lot like she's been chasing Mm -mm. me for years no no I do okay he's not as proud of it apparently (laughs) (laughs) I love it so he is a dentist Mm -hmm. okay yep still practicing Mm -hmm. in Medford yep awesome Medford that would be Dr. Childreth Dr. Childreth good for him yeah yeah so um and you guys got married when? In 1998. So okay. it's been 21 years. That's when I graduated high school. Just, I know. Just want to say. Yeah. Sorry, that's such a jerk move. <laughs> I don't know why people do that. <laughs> to make you feel better, I'll say something about, you know, oh, I graduated in high school in 98, and I have kids upstairs who I work with go, oh, I wasn't born then. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. And I'm like, huh? How is that possible? Right. Right. How are you that young? I know. Like, like, are you old enough working. to even work here? Exactly. That's, I know. I know. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. So you guys moved to Medford eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're you're just working along. You're doing your thing. When do you open uh, Spotlight Marketing? Well, I actually had ABC Marketing first. So okay. when I moved here, I started my own business, and I worked with the Rogue Gallery um like SMB James actually back in the day. Wow. Um, and uh, People's Bank of Commerce. Okay. And then I got hired onto People's Bank as their marketing director, and I was there for six years. Wow. And then I ended up leaving there in 2010, and I started Spotlight Marketing. 
and retain people's as as a client as well. Yeah. But yeah, so that 2010. Okay. So it's been almost 10 years this February. That you've lived? No, that I've had oh, spotlight. Oh, spotlight. Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you have two girls. Mm-hmm. They are? Uh, Chloe and Sophia. Chloe's 18 and Sophia's 17. Okay. Um, and so when, I mean, they were born pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Were they buddies? Yeah, by force. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, they are. And they still are. It's just, you know, Chloe has um, and had a lot of kind of social challenges. Uh And so Sophia was sort of her, you know, buddy. Okay. Built-in buddy. I feel like this is probably a good spot where we can talk about your book a little bit. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to read something here. I'm going to read just a couple things. This is the prologue. Uh, It's called Our Story. And just once more... um, Andrea is the author of On the Edge, Help and Hope for Parenting Children with Mental Illness. How had it come to this? We were prisoners in our own home. Our daughter Chloe routinely exploded with foul language, tantrums, even threats with weapons, and her younger sister had become her minion and punching bag. Alienated from neighbors and peers, Chloe had no friends, and her days consisted of sleeping until about noon, eating and playing video games until the wee hours of the morning. She wasn't growing except in size as she gained nearly 40 pounds. Disabled by anxiety and depression, unable to communicate or socialize with her sixth grade classmates or to break down school assignments into manageable tasks, she often refused to get out of bed and cried uncontrollably when I tried to get her to go to school. She attended only about a third of the time, and more often than not, I had to go with her for support. Our school district did little to provide resources and help, and my husband and I felt demoralized and defeated we despaired about Chloe's future and what we imagined it would be. I've read that so many times, and I just, you know, that just almost sounds like a parent's nightmare because on the back you actually, there's a, there's a passage that says when a child's faced with some sort of physical crisis or tragedy, mm-hmm. it seems like mm-hmm. you can't get enough support. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just, you're inundated with support. Right. When a child's facing mental Ill- illness, nobody wants to talk no. about it. Nope. Is no. that what is that what you faced? Oh yeah, I mean, and I still do, honestly. Even though she's been through treatment, and you know, I'm on this like mission with my book and the Lemonade Project are, yes. and raising awareness and all that type of stuff. And I'm working now with um, Grace and Kindness, the Run with Grace. Her mm-hmm. uh, Susan Holt's daughter yes. died by suicide four yes. years ago, um, and no one like wants to talk. It's so interesting to me, but no one wants to talk about it. They don't want. To, talk to you know Susan about the suicide of Grace and me even about how Chloe's doing it's always this sort of how she, is she doing okay you know it's like this yeah. kind of I don't want bad news when maybe. did this all start when did you notice something wasn't right was it a cul- like a culmination of things yeah I mean she she was always a very like willful child mm-hmm. I'll say um and after she had we had Sophia she got like she was jealous kind of easily which is you know mm-hmm. common but I, I mean it just it just didn't seem like super kind of normal but we just took it in stride and I would say the the for me um, the key indicator was when she was in preschool and we take her and she just all of a sudden we started getting reports from I mean this the child's like three years old right, right. we started getting reports from the teacher that you know, she she didn't know how to get along with other kids, and she didn't know how to share, and she would, like, you know, say weird things during the middle of circle time and get up and walk away, like, didn't really have, you know, good mm-hmm. boundaries, and 
and you know well you need to do play dates with her and you know she stands in the corner all the time with the bunny she never goes and plays with kids and then at the same time that I was getting reports of that every day Chloe was like you know just on my leg not wanting to leave Mm -hmm. me and just hysterical Mm. um going to school and so we got to a point where and this is what's difficult I think a lot about mental illness and when you don't know what's going on is it's like okay are we enabling if we pull her out right Mm -hmm. or are we helping because why are we making this kid so miserable you know when clearly she doesn't like this or something's wrong or something's uncomfortable right so I always had like a feeling that there was um, something, you know, going on with Chloe just because mm-hmm. I have my own mental health issues and that I've really struggled with. And so I internalize people's stuff really easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it just, I just had a, a feeling and then it kind of, you know, thing after thing and it would get, it sort of just started to spiral out of control where she was just like, um, would go, you know, crazy outside and screaming and having these tantrums that weren't like normal tantrums. I mean, they were like two hour long tantrums and, um, you know, I couldn't settle her down. My husband couldn't, he's a big guy, you know, five-year-old, she'd be like flailing around. And so it was that type of thing. And then she would start, you know, like throwing rocks at the neighbor kids, even though we told her not to, she'd get mad. And, um, so by the time she was six, um, first grade, I went into a parent-teacher conference, and Jeff wasn't there at the time, but the teacher, Jan Wood, said to me, you know, she, she's in first grade, and the girls will be forgiving right now, but there's going to be a time when she's going through school where kids won't be as forgiving with her, mm-hmm. and she's, you know, really struggling and having some challenges, and she said when she's in the classroom, she, her eyes are just glazed over. She said, I can tell she's not connecting, and the only time she connects with me or with the lesson assignment is when I go up to her one-on-one and I sit at the table with her. So she said, I'd, I'd recommend you get her evaluated, and so we did. So we took her to a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, who was that teacher? Jan Wood. Mm. She's at, Thank you, Jan yeah. Wood. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's at Lone Pine Elementary. She's still there? Mm-hmm. Wow, I think mm-hmm. I need to interview her. Mm-hmm. I mean, those She's are awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and those are the good the good teachers on that mm-hmm. front line mm-hmm. advocating for those kids. And well, and it's you, not always easy to tell parents. I stuff think you like need that, to get your child right? evaluated. Yeah. Can you imagine? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it was um, kind of validating because <laughs> oh. I'm not like crazy. That I'm not the only one seeing this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not blowing this out of proportion. So you get her evaluated. You know? What did that doctor tell you? So the first psychologist uh, told us that she had ADHD or told us, yeah, she had ADHD. And he wanted to put, like, he wanted to do a brain, I don't know what they're called, mapping type thing. And you put the little, mm-hmm. you know, hood thing on the on the head and it's got readers in there. Anyways, Chloe, like, flipped out because she did not want that going on her head. No. She, what she thought later, now that what we understand, is that they were going to suck her brain out. Aww, you know, I, it was a poor thing. I know. I know. And I had, like, of course, we had no idea. We're like, what is wrong with her? Yeah. You know, well, that's part of it. And then the second, um, we went to the psychiatrist shortly after we saw the first guy, and he said ADHD, and then he said bipolar, which is depression, anxiety, with that so yeah that's the diagnosis she had from the time she was six until she went to uh, treatment in Utah um, when she was 15 right. so nine years so you have at this point you're you and your husband are looking at each other going we have a bipolar six-year-old right 
I I mean, I don't even know if I can wrap my head around what that means. Right. Well, I, you, you don't. Like, and you're already so in crisis anyways. Yeah. Like, at, at that point, and I think what happens, I know, is because I talk to a lot of parents who are in the same situation. It's like you will just hold on to anything mm-hmm. to get relief, right, or help um, for the child and for yourself. So, I mean, we put her on medication. I can't, I mean, she's been on so many medications I can't even different I'm assuming mm-hmm. different medicate trying mm-hmm. to do different yep. things yep was there any sense of relief when you heard this though for me there was yeah I think you know Jeff it took a little bit longer but again it's like I just I knew something was going on mm-hmm. and it was so it's frustrating because people mm-hmm. sort of dismiss you oh now she just has a lot of energy now that's just she'll grow out of it yeah. it's like no I don't think so <laughs> she's, right was yeah. there was there denial at all in the family Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, no, for she's, sure. she doesn't have. She's not bipolar. Right. This can't be happening. And are you sure? I mean, all the way around, from the family to yeah. you know friends to and just yeah, for I sure. Mean, yeah, like this is this isn't happening. That's you know she'll grow out of it. This you know I think you guys are overreacting. That whole um, thing. Did medication help? It helped with her uh, ADHD and her anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we saw, like those mood swings and kind of the really um, violent acting out still was happening. And then uh-huh. she'd get really depressed. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, kind of the bipolar looked like. Um, but it wasn't until you know, later, until she went to treatment, that we found out she doesn't have bipolar, mm. actually. She's got a um, – she does have ADHD, but she's got a, a neurological condition called okay. a nonverbal learning disorder. So what happens with her is that she – and it's, it's kind of similar to being on the spectrum and kids who have, let's yeah. say, um, Asperger's. Yep. Um, she likes to be, have a lot of structure and rigidity – she doesn't have the ability to see in front of her. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? From the kind of see the writing on the wall, as I would call it. Yeah. And Jeff and I, that's who we are, like, big time. Like, we can see, and you know what I'm saying? We're more visionary, right. you know, we see the writing on the wall. She can't even connect it. I mean, even to this day, when you talk to her about stuff, it's like, oh, my gosh. And But we didn't know that. So mm-hmm. we're like, what is wrong with her? So we felt like she wasn't listening to us because part of some of the characteristics are – you know, they they don't process all mm-hmm. the information, one. Right. Um, and they don't remember it, mm-hmm. right, because their minds are going so quickly all the time. So you're constantly having to tell her over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again the same thing. And so it can feel like she's not listening to me. Sure. She's disrespectful. She's, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, she doesn't have a good read on people's social cues and cannot read between the lines. So there's a lot of times we'll say something and she'll be like, I don't know what you mean. I have no idea what you're talking right. about. Right, yeah, like, what are you saying? And yeah. so we have to, like, break it down for her. So imagine. Well, I'm like that most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, so am I. Imagine as a child right. who's just learning how to communicate and, like, constantly doing things wrong. And the other thing that's so interesting. It is. The other thing that's interesting is um, kids who have this disorder aren't able to generalize. So... Let's say you're with her, you're six years old, and you're, you know, walking down the street, and you guys go to cross the street, and you say, you always want to stop and look, see if cars are coming, right? And you cross the street mm-hmm. with them, hold their hand. With Chloe, it was just on that street. She doesn't, she doesn't realize she has to do it a block on down every the street. street. 
just on that street. Yeah. Oh, bless her heart. Crazy, That's huh? That's so tough. Isn't that crazy? It is. And so it's it's just been a continual challenge for her because people have a really hard time wrapping their head around that sure. too because she she's adorable. She's a darling girl and she's very like kind of bubbly and, you know, mm -hmm. happy and um, but she can't connect the dots all the time and yeah. people get really frustrated because it's like they just think she's being you know manipulative or whatever wow. it may be yeah. did things did things ever get from six did it get better did it get worse mm -mm. worse it got oh, worse for sure yeah I mean and it got to a point where um, I mean she was basically by the time she got to fifth grade she was maybe going to school 60 70 percent of the time and then when she got to sixth grade she was going about 30 because um, she refused to go because it was so painful for her and yeah. difficult because everybody was you know you're bad you're bad you're bad um, and no one kind of understood and we didn't either quite frankly mm -hmm. um, she just refused to go so other kids thought she was like the bad kid in class or just yeah. like you're different I, I probably different and bad I mean mm -hmm. you know I think she got to a point where yes they thought she was bad um just because she would like didn't understand why they didn't want to hang out with her maybe like chase them around the you know what I mean the yeah. playground and stuff like that um so yeah she you know she felt like all the teachers did and the principal did and there's always stuff we were trying to do at school with her teachers to help accommodate her and make mm -hmm. things, you know, kind of easier and this, that, and the other. And it, it wow. yeah. And no, I mean, no one had a clue. There's just not a lot of resources around her disorder anyways. I was going to ask you, this was, I mean, she's what, a, how old she's is she now? 18. Okay. So that was in the 2000s. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're just now learning about mm -hmm. mental health and there's really a spotlight now on mental health and we're right. just now kind of barely even talking about it right so this is what nine years ago right no one was talking about it then no and they I mean no not at all I mean there just are so little resources still now still and now. information um you know back then it just was almost you know non-existent mm -hmm. and the other challenge at the time like when Chloe was in sixth grade was that we we were in a recession our country was yep. and so there wasn't this extra funding for kids who ha you know have special yeah. needs and who need extra attention like it wasn't like they could have a counselor at the school all the time or someone who like in California my friend's son is Asperger's and he had like I don't know, like a buddy or assistant or something that would go around with him, an aide, that's what they called him, an aide, that go around with him to every single wow. class and help him organize himself and stay up to date. And, you know, it was like his buddy or whatever, and that just wasn't the case. Yeah, there was no, you either survived. Right. Or you just were left behind. Mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. um, when did you realize, okay, we've got to do something different? Nothing was working with Chloe. Well, I was, when she was 10, we actually, I mean, we the whole time were like desperate. Like this, you know, we, I mean, it was crisis our kind of whole time wow. while she was growing up. But we went to, we got a, let's see, third opinion, I think when she was about 10, maybe mm -hmm. nine. 
up in Portland and my psychiatrist, you know, I broke down crying one day in one of our appointments and he was like, let me see if I can find someone to refer you to mm-hmm. um, up in Portland, like a bigger market. They've got more resources and tools. And so he um, referred me to a Dr. Bonnie Flick, who's still up there. And we went up and met with her. She met with Chloe on her own for a little bit. And we came back in and she said, um, your your daughter has nonverbal learning disorder. She said, it's a type of Asperger's or autism. And she said this, you know, she gave me like a book. But still, we were like, what does that mean? You know, she, you yeah. need to arm yourself, get some information. We took it back down. She ended up, the doctor called our doctor who was here in the area um, and told her just advised her what what she'd mm-hmm. seen but our doctor just said she does not have autism she's bipolar wow. so we just let it go really yeah but that's what she ended up having five years six years later and that dr bonnie Flick knew yep she knew from portland right because again just medford's so small we just don't have the information and resources that they do up there and that's so frustrating that I mean, I understand, especially when there's not a lot of resources and information on on disorders like this, but to just have a doctor go, she doesn't have that, yeah, and just completely dismiss it. Right. That's so Because she doesn't look like a kind of normal Aspies or autistic kid, because nonverbal learning disorder has, it's mm-hmm. very social, and usually those kids are very, um, you know, they're or introverted and like exclude themselves and they isolate you know whereas it's not as much like these kids are social like they want to be be with friends and people but again i mean and you probably know this better than anyone what is normal right none of us are normal (laughs) exactly i mean we're all fighting these different battles and right mental health issues of our own and so totally all of us are doing that and so i just that's so frustrating and i hope we get away from that where he she they don't look like someone who you don't look like you're depressed yeah like what does that even mean anymore right right that just kind of drives me a little crazy yeah so this was at 10 years old 10 years old and then she so she was in fifth grade I think you know she was just starting to drop out of school yeah um by sixth grade she was again 30 percent of the time she was in school and then I found um Armadillo Technical Institute which is in um Phoenix Phoenix yeah Um, and works with a lot of high-risk kids and Mm -hmm. kids who are on the spectrum. And so we sent her there, and it was like a 1,000% better than the public school district that we were with. Um, Just because they knew how to – they knew these kids needed more one-on-one attention. They didn't have as, you know, good attention spans. They couldn't focus. Yeah, well, yeah, and they couldn't keep focused and organize their stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of them had learning disabilities, like Mm -hmm. Chloe has a severe math disability. Um, that she'll never get over. Again, it's yeah. that neurological piece that you're mm-hmm. never going to, you know what I mean? Chloe, so, I have a major math I know disability, me too. too. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I feel that. Oh, gosh. Anyways, so um, so she went there, and she did pretty well her seventh grade year, but then kind of started to fall mm-hmm. into old patterns again mm-hmm. where she was skipping school and staying up too late and just, you know, unhealthy basically patterns and so we actually sent her to residential treatment when she was 13. Okay. So it was right after her 13th birthday she went to a place up in Corvallis called Farm Home Mm -hmm. um, and was there for about a month and then she went to Kairos which is up in Grants Grants Pass. Pass. Yeah Mm -hmm. and she was there for another month and a half or so. Um, Came out went back to 
to school at Armadillo and did did really fairly well her eighth grade year. Um, and and the residential treatment was good. She just needed to be there longer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about someone who's got habits, right? I mean, anybody who has a habit that you've had for Ever. 13 years forever yeah. and trying to change that is yeah. not going to happen with a kid in two months. No. So, um, so anyhow, so her eighth grade year, she did substantially better, though. And then she ended up over the summer when she doesn't have structure, she does not do well. So... She ended up hooking up with some kind of unhealthy friends, and there are always friends who live, you know, either hooked up with drugs or on the edge or whatever because they're the ones who um, accept her for who she is, yeah. right? Because they've kind of got their own stuff going on right. that they're dealing with and right. their own demons, and so they overlook her kind of oddities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she just got hooked up with with a couple of them and then she went into her freshman year was doing really well and then again winter break came um and one of her friends like set her up for a fight it was it's weird it's weird it's a different world set her up for a fight well she kicked her butt Mm -hmm. she set her up she like came over and she knew she was coming over but like I don't know, I can't even remember why. I mean, I, and a lot of times it's Chloe will say something that she's trying to be funny, like in uh-huh. her mind. Like uh-huh. I'll do it all the time. Like that's kind of rude, how you just said that to me. I'm not being rude. I was just joking. No, it sounds rude. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's the same thing. Like kind of 2020 hindsight's 2020. I can see where people get pissed off at her, especially if it's a rough crowd. Yeah, they're gonna kick her butt. That's what they do. So her friend set her up. Yep, she kicked her butt. And then it just, Chloe just regressed, like, probably uh, six years. Yeah. Wow. So you actually decided to, um, you looked into uh, resi- long-term residential mm-hmm. treatment. And mm-hmm. that's where the, the place in Utah comes in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. were you doing your research on this? Well, so, yeah. I mean, so, again, it just, you just get to this point where she had started. So the girl, you know, um beat her up and then she got with some other friends and this one I mean one friend was like doing cocaine in our house we learned later on and we knew you know but she was escaping her home life because she got beat up by her mom do you know what I mean so and it's like and I as a parent I feel horrible like I know she's getting beat up by her mom you know I mean Chloe Mm -hmm. tells me stories and it's just like oh my gosh how can we not welcome her into our home right so there's that whole because I have so much whatever compassion (laughs) empathy it's like to a fault you know so she got with her and then they weren't friends anymore and then she got to be friends with someone else and she ended up um one of the guys who was swimming over at the house uh, was a drug dealer and they were like doing cocaine in our house Mm -hmm. and my younger daughter saw and then I had come home and she came running out and was you know hysterical and so that was sort of our tipping point where we were like she's like you know either um, and she had started posting that she wanted to take her life, that she was always messing things up and disappointing everybody. And so we were like, she's either going to take her own life, she's going to get killed by someone, or she's, you know, someone's, she's going to overdose on drugs or whatever. You know, it's just, it's not Something a healthy Something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Like we yeah. felt like there, she's not, definitely not going to graduate from high school. I mean, it was just, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so we got a referral to a um, company up in Portland called Educational Connections, mm-hmm. and they have um, facilities all over the country that they work with, like 300 different therapeutic facilities. 
Um, we met with them, and then they interviewed, like, my parents, you know, Jeff's parents, um, the school teachers, mm-hmm. that type of stuff, mm-hmm. to kind of get a feel for her. And then they came back with recommendations, and they said, this this place she needs to go. Like, it's, it's the best fit for her, and they have a bed open. You need to call right now and then fly out there and check it out. Wow. That's what I did, yeah. And that's where she went. Mm-hmm. How long was she there? Mm, almost two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while this is all happening, I can't imagine um, the stress from a child who is just, let's just say, not doing well in school. Right. They're, they're just, just not doing well in school. All of the stress, I, how did you function during this time as, as an adult, as a, as a right. parent to another daughter, as a wife, as a friend? Like, well, how were you functioning? I, did, I didn't a lot. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, it was really hard on my own mental health, you yeah. know. Um, and I think, I mean, I didn't. I, I was lucky that I didn't have to, like, work full time and that mm-hmm. Jeff could take kind of take over that piece and compartmentalize and work and bring in income for our family. So I was able to rely on, um, you know, someone I had partnered with for one of my clients, and she pretty much helped me with that entire client. And wow. I, you know, there were years that I did hardly anything because it was, I was, at the school like every single day right. dealing with her they were calling me you know what I mean she was calling whatever it may be so um and Sophia our other daughter really I mean you know she's she's God and is working through PTSD I mean it she didn't she had a lot of neglect there's you know I mean all sorts of little um issues that that we went through that when Chloe went to treatment we had to kind of go through a healing process as well together and she did and she's gotten so much stronger but it created a ton of anxiety for her Mm -hmm. I mean she was like almost paralyzed at times because her anxiety was so bad are there trust issues with her and her sister um yeah I mean for all of us there are you know there's kind of with Chloe it's 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 like we I mean, you know, she's been home a year, and we almost still have these triggers sometimes with her where we are like, oh, my gosh, like, what is she doing, and and why is she doing that? Mm -hmm. And we go into our own, like, spinoff, and she's just, you know, she's got this really (laughs) whatever explanation, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I never would have thought of it like that, but okay. Okay. (laughs) Right? Like, so it's it's that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, Sophia's actually really good, though, with her now, setting boundaries and just being like, no. Like, I won't, I won't put up with it. I won't deal with this. I won't, yeah. So, I mean, Jeff and I actually struggle more, I think, than Sophia does, yeah. which is interesting. So Chloe goes to this program, and, I mean, you and I have actually talked about this before. She, she did really well here. Yeah, yeah, in Utah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep, mm-hmm. she did awesome. Um, so, like, just to back up, after we hired that educational consultant, because you know, part of this whole story is understanding just how awful <laughs> these situations are, you know, going through it and what these parents go through. But um, we had to hire a transport service because we knew she would never go to the school by herself. You know, she right. would never, even if we took her, there's no way she wouldn't get on the plane, whatever. So we hired this company out of, based out of Salt Lake City and the woman flew out and then one of her, um, workers drove down from Portland they met us at the house at like three in the morning and we gave them her backpack and woke her up and sent her on her way with them and they took her to the the center out in Utah it was horrible I can't. it was horrible did you lose it 
Yeah, I mean, we we went in there and turned on the light, and um, you know, I'm just like shaking. Sure. And, and um, Chloe and I said, these people are going to take you to a treatment center, and um, and she just was like, I don't want to go. And the lady just said, you guys need to leave. She prepared us beforehand. She said, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Don't stay near. Don't be around the corner. Like go, like get a coffee at Denny's or whatever. You know, she's like, you need to be away. And that's what we went over to Jeff's parents who lived a couple miles from us. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then she communicated with us the entire time. I mean, they took away – I mean, Chloe, everything's stripped from them when they go to treatment. I mean, they don't get music, phones, nothing. Like, they make them deal with themselves. You know what I mean? That's part of it is all of that – getting rid of all that distraction so you can start to learn about your own internal cues. When you're a mama bear – and these strangers Ever, yeah. are taking your baby away. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like you're questioning yourself. Oh, my gosh. Like, is this the, the right, right thing? thing? Yes. Like, is is this some cult I'm sending her to? Is this, you know, you yeah. seriously. I mean, you just flip out. But, you know, Jeff kept going. We, like, spent a considerable amount of money to hire people to help us choose mm-hmm. this place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, you would have to just go because you can't. Again, those mama bear instincts, you can't Mm-mm. hear your child you know, oh. cry Mm-mm. out for you. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because the first thing you're going to do is go, never mind. I, Exac- no, I exactly. No, I changed my mind. I changed my oh, mind. Oh, it'd be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that was that's pretty like, heavy. I mean, that's what they do to prisoners. Yeah. I know. Well, but it was like, you, you know, in our mind, it was like, we're either doing this. Mm-hmm. Or she's probably going to die right. at some point. And you, so, you do what you have to yeah. do yep. for your child. You just yep. you just do it. We just knew it just she did not have good outcomes if we were to keep her in the situation she um, was in. And so she did really well. She did awesome. Yeah. It took her a while to, like, kind of um, get, you know, kind of one, accept that she was going to be there for a while, you know, mm-hmm. um, and forgive us for sending her off and she felt like it was because we didn't love her and didn't want to, you know, deal with her problems or whatever. Um, And then we also had a shift in um, counselors, therapists Mm -hmm. at the program, which was really instrumental for us. So once we shifted to this other therapist, she just took off. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, but, and she loves my boy. I mean, she even now is like, you know, I'd move back there <laughs> because it's so structured and everybody understands her, yeah. right? They all get what her yeah. brain, how her brain works um, and that she needs structure and that she thinks differently. And when you get out on the outside, no one cares. They don't, you know, like, so, and that's kind of what she's been going through the last year is sort of trying to figure that out that, like, I don't have my support here that right. I used to. Will she ever be able to live on her own? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think she can um, live on her own. She's going to probably need, like, financial support. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I th- she wants to do something with, you know, like horses or um, kind of – I think if she were to find something at, somewhere in a barn, barn job, that type of thing, because, yeah. you know, she's got horses too – 
um, she'd be able to hold that and do well. And it's mm-hmm. she just can't work with a lot of people because people either don't get her or they don't get her and it makes her angry or, you know, the whole thing. Or, so they, she's, or people just don't have patience for that. No. We just don't yeah. have the time for that. No, it's exactly. Like you either understand what I'm saying or I can't talk well, to you. Well, and I'm the same way in my work environment. Same here. Yeah, same it's here. It's like, okay, sorry. Yeah, I can't pay you anymore <laughs> if you're not going to, like, figure it out. Right. Yeah. So that has to be incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would seem too, I, I don't know Chloe very well, but almost like this this place that she graduated from, right? she could probably do well helping other kids just like her. Right. Well, and we always talk about that too. Like she could almost get hired at, I don't think they w- that her program would ever right. hire a former right. student, but at another residential treatment program, she's actually helping out at, she's volunteering at Hope Equestrian. A few days a week. Good and, for her. Yeah, right up her alley. So it's that type of thing. If she could find something like that. And so we're hoping that might open some doors or she might meet some people that she gets something else. Um, there's also, in the very beginning of this, um, I just love this, the acknowledgments of the book. You say, the deepest gratitude and admiration goes to my daughter, who has boldly and unselfishly shared her story. I mean, if it weren't for Chloe to say, yeah, mom, let's do it. I mean, this wouldn't exist. Right. And, like, honestly, it wasn't like I – it wasn't like she said, yeah, mom, let's do it. I And I said to her, you know, I'm thinking about writing a Mm -hmm. book. I I want to and use your story. Chloe, because um, she doesn't have that ability, it's, like, also a gift to see the writing on the wall. She doesn't realize the stigma Uh that is surrounding this, right, right? for her to be in this book. I mean, she does more now that she's been Mm -hmm. through treatment. But so for her – it's like, yeah, like, you know, I want to share what we're doing and my story and whatever, but it's not it's not the same as, like, Sophia. Like, I hardly mentioned Sophia in the book right. at all, right. and that was by her request. Right. I mean, she just said I, I – because of her own yeah. stuff, you know. Well, still, just a huge, huge kudos to Chloe. Yeah. To, to share this. Yeah. And she always shares, like, you know, if I'm at, like, this interview, she'll share it on her Facebook page. And you know what I Yay. mean? Yeah. She's awesome. Yay, Chloe. Yeah. Um, also, before we get into why you decided to write this, you say, did you know that 20% of teens are affected by some type of mental illness? Did you know that 25% of adults experience a mental illness during their lives? So when you started, obviously, as Chloe's going through her – um, getting better and all of this, were you like, I've, I've got to write a book to help other people? Or was it therapeutic to write a book? Both. Okay. I'm, yeah, so when Chloe went to treatment the first time, again, it's so, it's crazy. I mean, the stuff you deal with with insurance companies mm-hmm. and them like, are you sure you need to send her? Well, we're only going to be able to pay for a week. It's like, no, people, you don't change lives in a week. You know what I mean? Like, you just, if this was someone who was had cancer for three years, it wouldn't even be a thought. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it because it's behavioral in the brain and you don't understand it, you know, you're not going to give give funding. So it was like we had to fight for everything, and it just made me so mad between the school district and us not being able to get support and mm-hmm. resources and you know, um, from them on, from as legally, right, um, defined by law, to the insurance company providing parity, mental health parity, which mm-hmm. means that you have to give equal coverage to someone who has mental illness as you would to, like, let's say someone who, you know, has cancer or needs skill, a skilled facility. Yeah. I just was mad. And so when, <laughs> by the time we sent Chloe to treatment, 
um, I, I mean, it just kind of all started to build up. And what happened is I, I was like, I'm just going to start a blog. I'm going to start sharing it with people so people know, like, what's happening because no one mm-hmm. talks about it. Nope. And it's this really, like, scary, you know, conversation or topic. And so I wrote it, and we were – I was transporting her from Corvallis to Grants Pass to Kairos, and uh, we are in the hotel – and I wrote it on my little blog, and then I posted it to my Facebook page. And I remember, like, I was terrified. I bet. Just like, oh, my God, like, what are people going to think? Like, it just was this. But I'm like, Here this I is so important. I've got I'm, to do it. I'm out of the mental yep. health closet. Yep. Well, Here yeah, like, I'm just totally exposed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, just come at me. And it was like overwhelmingly positive and people were like messaging me on the side right they didn't do it in the open Mm -hmm. forum of Facebook let's say but they would message me or text me just being like oh my gosh you know um, my cousin's having issues with this or my brother or I mean or Mm -hmm. I am or Mm -hmm. who do I contact about I mean it was like crazy and then that's when the book came up because I was like you know what, like, this is like an epidemic. This is not just our family and a few other families that are going on. These are stories with all these other families across the United Mm -hmm. States. They need to share their stories just Mm -hmm. like I'm sharing mine. And so that's why I started the book. I mean, you could potentially help someone who has their own Chloe at age six, and you can figure this out way sooner. Right. Right. Way sooner. You actually, uh, you break down quite a few different um, disorders, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's post-traumatic stress in here. There's schizophrenia, mm-hmm. bipolar, mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. and then kind of their breakdown as far as symptoms and, and signs and right. treatment. treatments. Yeah, possible so it's, I mean, treatments. it's really, it's like a guidebook almost. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's pretty comprehensive. That's awesome. And who did you work with on this? Um, I had a... Uh, like editor writer that helped so I had a ghost writer on everything okay. and um in the beginning I had a woman down in California who helped me kind of with the first pieces of it um and putting it together and then I had just some staff help me with the research pieces that yeah. you see in the you know in the front of the book um and then at the end who helped me finalize it was Valerie Coleman is her name and she actually has published several um children's books so she knew how to do put all this because I I mean it's like I never published a book I don't know how to get an ISBN number and I mean clueless right like how to get it published on Amazon and what all that looks like and so she did the whole thing for me it was pretty awesome awesome. Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing yeah how proud are you of this proud I'm proud I'm um it's frustrating though because I feel like it's such an important message and it's so hard to get out there yeah you know what I mean like what do we need to do to like break through the clutter that people and it's not only for this but just you know about about mental illness and suicide period to you know kind of get that attention Mm -hmm. that needs to happen so people are paying attention to book like this or they're paying attention to other information you know coming out um and we're not just kind of sweeping it by the wayside yeah you know and you think that's what we're doing Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, for sure. Um, we um, so you know Grace and Kindness Foundation mm-hmm. is the five k run with Grace, and um, we found banded together um, the Lemonade Project, and we just started a couple weeks ago um, something called Champions of Change, and okay. it's working with teens in our area, and so we brought together fifteen um, South Medford high schoolers and a couple Hedrick kids came. 
And we wanted them to just talk. So we like had five questions. You know, what do you guys perceive as the major contributors to mental health and suicide? Who's at risk? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What, you know, what needs to change? And it, Trish, was so, like, I think it was so empowering for them. I mean, they, and I was, like, blown away. Like, I'm like, we are in trouble. Like, we, they're just like, we need to be talking about this. No one knows what it is. No one talks about it. No one knows how to get help. There's Mm -hmm. no resources available. You know, we don't know the difference between sadness and situational depression and clinical depression. I mean, it it was, and the other thing, too, is, like, at the end, we had little questions, like, what did you learn from tonight? What would you want to see in the future? And one of them was, if you've ever thought about suicide, finish a statement, and it said, I wish, dot, dot, dot. Out of the 15 kids, we had six. Six responded. Six. It's almost 50%. That's wow. frightening. That's beyond yeah. frightening. Like, so, so we can't get enough attention to even you know what I mean like get get that message out and when I put out information like that you know on my Facebook it's like if I do something you know like someone was saying the other day puppies and kittens right you get like a thousand likes you do something about this and like that that post for um when we had the teen chat and the information with it, I think I got 20 or 25 likes but you go like on my website I have nearly 200 views on that blog yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just, why yeah. isn't, why can't we talk about it? Yeah, and you look you at, know? too, um, within uh, within the media, there, I think they there is an effort to talk yes. about it more. Yes. But I do wonder if people don't want to listen to it. If it's just like. Because like, it's negative. It's, it's either negative or. Um, it's just like I don't have that going on with me, so I don't I don't want to hear about it. Right? Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like I don't know if we have compassion. Really, we don't break down the stories enough to go. Here's what they're facing. Imagine that. Put yourself in this right. in this in in these parents' shoes for yeah. a hot second. Yep. Um, but it's like I think too. Some of the older the older generation is like, oh my gosh, you're not depressed. Right. You're fine. Right. you're you're fine you know what's interesting though like just in my um research as just with because I always go back and look Mm -hmm. at you know how what responds best with blogs and my website and that stuff um older like 65 plus 55 to 65 plus is actually more in tuned and getting grasping that information it's like they almost see it with their kids and their grandchildren oh okay does that yeah. kind of make sense Absolutely. like it really like it's almost like oh my gosh like this is so out of control mm-hmm. and we're in such crisis and they need help and here yeah can I help them yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I've been surprised at that I thought it was going to be like a younger demo like you mm-hmm. know 30 ish to 40 and mm-hmm. it's really not it's an older demo it's really interesting well I think we definitely need to start talking about it yeah and if and even if you know within your immediate family if, if you're not dealing with this there's someone who, there's someone who is for sure and for they sure. need to know here are the signs if this is happening with your child right now right there may be something going on right regarding mental health mm-hmm. for sure well, and the other theme that we heard over and over again the other night was really like this whole thing with social media and how it really makes them more anxious yeah. and depressed 
and feel lonelier, right? We have social media, which is supposed to connect us, mm -hmm. and all it's doing is the exact opposite. It's like kind of pulling people apart. They're not connecting. Well, it's I feel superficial. That. I feel too. that as a almost 40-year-old yeah, woman. exactly. Social media makes me super anxious. Right. You see you see other people out there in, in your profession that are getting a job that's really great. Right. I right. get anxious, like, should I be looking for a job? Right, right. Or... I see someone else who just started a podcast and it's getting really popular. And then I get anxious, like, right. what do I need to be doing right. that's better? So I feel that as a grown-ass woman. Me too. Me too. I mean, and, and, you know, anything like not being, you know, invited to certain situations mm -hmm. or activities. I, I just think to myself when, when I'm feeling bad because they don't invite me, I can't yeah. imagine how these kids are feeling. Right. Their brains are still oh, developing. Oh, for sure. The, what I mean, is they're that? insecure. FOMO. Fear yeah, missing yeah. out. And that's, they said that, FOMO. Huge. That was like one of the things, the whole FOMO thing and loneliness. You and see pictures of some of your friends and they're all together drinking wine and you're like, why wasn't I invited? Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> so exactly. I can't imagine being 15, 14, you know, 16, 17. It's almost like social media. You shouldn't be allowed to go on there I until know. you're like 20, 21. But even then. I uh, no, it's I it's it's struggle. And you think, too, that kids nowadays as well. I mean, we're, as adults, one of the things that um, we talk about, too, is we're trying to fix a kid problem right with kind of the suicide and mental health and yeah. and and or we're not trying to or we don't know how to deal with it and yeah. it's actually worse than it's ever been because of screen time you know and yeah. now we've got babies who are coming in literally into screen time and their brains are developing differently because of it right like it's just like but it's happening That's a whole so fast podcast. I know it's happening oh so fast how do you catch up with it you know um on the yeah. edge how can people find this book uh, it is at my website, thelemonadeproject.com, or they can find it on Amazon. Okay. And it's Audible and uh, Kindle as well. Who did the audio Audible book? I, they have like Audible has like this oh, whole okay. thing of, of God, I should have thought of I you. I was going to say, I'm really offended that you didn't think of me. I know. You know what? I feel bad because I you would should. have. I you should have. No, I'm I just know. kidding. Okay. Book number two. Okay. I'll do the audio books okay. for number two. Yes. Um, and Lemonade. Where does that come from? Like, the um, life hands you well, lemons make lemonade? Yep. I mean, yeah, like, you know, it started out as bipolar lemonade because we thought she had bipolar. And, yeah, if you've got lemons, you you know, you've got to mm -hmm. make lemonade. So that it's just has kind of stuck. I This is really, really telling um, of me, but I, I keep journals. Like, I've yeah. always kept a journal. And I have one from, I think, when I was 20, 21. And I said in there, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. But I still have the damn lemons. Like at 20 yeah. year old, 20, <laughs> 20 years that. old, that's what I, I wrote. I love that. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And then there's, you know, those goofy little things where it's like if life throws you lemons, make a martini or something. Yeah, I don't no, know. That's what Anyways, I'll do. But, yeah. but that's kind of where that yeah, comes from. Definitely. Lemonade Project. Yep. And that's the lemonadeproject.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. The lemonade project. The lemonade project.com. Okay. Yep. Well, this would be a nice little holiday gift yeah. or birthday gift for yes, someone. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I think just before we wrap up and get to the final three, um, you know, do you have one little nugget of wisdom or advice for anyone who's listening right now who either is going through something like this or knows someone who's going through this? I think one of the biggest things that with behavioral kind of health, mental health is recognizing that kids don't want to behave badly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, that kid is so horrible, whatever. Well, there's a reason. Like they don't, they're lacking skills. 
to make the right decisions and there everybody does the best that they can with what they have so recognize that if they're behaving badly if kids are there's a reason they're they're yelling out you know Mm -hmm. for something else there's other other underlying issues that are going on that you need to get at and I think it's really easy to sort of put kids or people kind of over to the side oh that's you know them and not Mm -hmm. me kind of situation Mm -hmm. same type of thing I don't want to think about it they're bad you know without having kind of the empathy step in maybe Mm -hmm. do something Mm -hmm. and again uh, kindness matters it really does and Mm -hmm. I will say that again you never know what what internal battles right people are fighting yes and that's why it is so important to be kind to everyone mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. they're a jerk to you and they mm-hmm. don't smile at you there's a reason there's a reason right? for it <laughs> i know and it's yeah. hard to remember that but it's so yeah. true and i smile at everybody yeah <laughs> you probably <laughs> I do too, I do too. <laughs> people think i'm nuts <laughs> i don't care yes i smile at everybody all right andrea final three best okay. advice you've ever been given um well i think the best advice I've ever been given Mm -hmm. is speak your truth even if your voice shakes and I say it a lot to other people and you know to kids and stuff because it's so hard to be true to your values Mm -hmm. and really what you're thinking and feeling um, because of what you know our age we live in Uh, who gave you that advice I just like you just found it yeah like it was like a quote I don't even know that's good Uh it's really good yeah. Um, my husband often said we, you know, even it goes from like being in a restaurant to your relationships. It's ask for what you want. Ask right. for what you want in life. Speak your truth. Right. Even if it's uncomfortable. Like, totally. Like yep. you'll be happier yes. on, the, on the end. Exactly. On the of it. Exactly. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would bring you back here? What would you miss the most? Definitely family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my parents and Jeff's parents are in town and I just have a good friend support group as well so for sure and mayor berryman is still mayor berryman is still here alive and kicking she really is (laughs) do you i mean can you guys even go out together Uh -uh. because she's just Mm -mm. everybody knows Mm -hmm. her for Mm -hmm. the most part if you've lived here during. i'm like so used to it it doesn't bother me at all anymore it's like you just have to plan an extra half hour (laughs) (laughs) okay final meal final drink um Probably a, what do you call them? Lemon drop, right? Lemon, lemon drop martini. Lemon, lemon drop martini. When life hands you lemons, make a lemon drop martini. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. You can make a lemon drop martini. And then probably a big piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> I love desserts. Like, I'm not really a food person, like a big foodie. Okay. I, but I'm, I love baking and I love desserts. Chocolate cake big fat piece like and really moist lots of lots of icing um now is the cake chocolate or is it like yellow cake no everything's chocolate, chocolate. okay straight across <laughs> i don't i don't think anyone has ever what no, no no one's ever no one's ever brought up something sweet what come yeah. on i know see i'm weird though like That's i'm okay. yeah my food issues we're all weird <laughs> <laughs> we're all weird let's put let's exactly. put that there and one more one more time definitely a, a big a big hooray for mm-hmm. Chloe. Uh, yeah. And I'm I'll just. let her know. I, her I don't listen. know her, but gosh, I'm so proud of her. Yeah. She's just she's doing awesome. it. She is. She's awesome. Well, she came to one of my little speaking engagements a few weeks ago. She Good was awesome. Her. Good for she, her. And she had fun. She loved it. So. Well, you tell her to hair flipping. Okay. Keep going. 
Uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on Apple's podcast app, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. You can also watch the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com. Just click on features and then off script one more time. Andrea Berryman Childreth. Yay, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for all your contributions, yeah. too. Yeah, and thank you. Bringing this, this is great. Putting some light on this. Yeah, I appreciate it.